Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia. John Jeffers here with the Jeffers Brief. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. For all, oh my lord, you couldn't, yeah, we are getting so many downloads. We're going to break another record this month, I promise you that. We have a great lineups. We got some good shows on here. Um, I don't even know where to begin. But do this. Go to crn.best. You're starting to see some really good shows. Good host. Good subject matter. So, with that said, this is important. And it's not being talked about in the U.S. media. They're not telling you how bad it's going to be. Well, I'm going to tell you how bad. So listen to me carefully when I say this. You know, as they say, as they told us in kindergarten, put your listening ears on. Okay, you got to put them on. Them up. That was the American house cat flying by. Ears are on. I'm listening. Okay. Stock up now. Time is of the essence. You have to understand what's going on. And I'm here to help you. I want to give you the information. You determine what's best for you. Because here, the mainstream media of the United States is not talking about it. And they won't talk about it. Until they get, until we all get slapped in the face and say, "Well, gee, why wasn't we? Why weren't we told?" I, John Jeffers, here on the Jeffers Brief, am telling you now. Oh, and in case you're wondering, yeah, got over the COVID thing. Now I got this massive cold that I'm dealing with. Just never ends. What the hell? All right, back to it. This is important. This is important stuff. Oh, come on. Get out of here. You know, I would love to have a professional producer who would make my life easier doing this instead of got to do it myself. All right. The U.S., this is from the Daily Mail. This is a United Kingdom newspaper who's reporting this. And you're saying, why do you listen to them? Why do you read them? couple reasons. One, they'll print anything. Unlike the mainstream media who think that they must sit there and censor what you read, what you should know. They'll tell you what you need to know and how to think about it. Not so with the British newspapers. Second of all, back in 2019, it was the Daily Mail who was screaming to anybody who would listen, there is a problem in Wuhan, China. Something bad is going down. Something is happening. And while the American mainstream media was more worried about impeaching Trump, they missed the boat. All right, enough. There's a rail worker strike imminent. It's going to cost the United States $2 billion a day. 15,000 nurses walked out in Minnesota, and West, ports, and West Coast ports could shut down amid contract disputes. Guys, this stock up now. Do it today. 
You only got a few days left. This strike is coming. <sighs> as many as 60,000 railway workers, 15,000 nurses, and 22,000 West Coast port workers are plotting mass walkouts as they seek better working conditions. Several U.S. freight railroads said on Friday they are preparing for widespread strike and service interruptions. On Friday, this Friday, 96 hours, a deadline set by two holdout labor groups and protracted talks with railroad carriers about the better benefits. The burgeoning strike would cause mass interruptions to the nation's expansive rail system, which are used to ferry goods shipped and flown in overseas across the country and would cost carriers roughly $2 billion a day. The holdout from workers that transport these products, who on average earn at least $64,300 a year, already disputed the nation's, uh, I'm sorry, disrupted the nation's passenger rail Monday, rattling commutes and cross-country travel for thousands of Americans in preparation for the walkouts. Compounding the crisis are burgeoning protests from tens of thousands of workers at America's hospitals, as more than 15,000 nurses in Minnesota staged statewide walkouts over low pay and staffing shortages. Registered nurses in the state currently make an average of $84,030 each year. Also on the edge are the country's more than 22,000 West Coast port workers who manned the highly trafficked twin hubs of Los Angeles and Long Beach. They are also seeking better working conditions amid staffing issues and overwork that has become commonplace during the pandemic, despite LA workers earning six-figure salaries. Oh, God. The jackassery of the, giant, of the Biden administration are racing to prevent the strike by tens of thousands of freight railroad workers that could further disrupt an already strained supply chain and cause billions of dollars in economic damage. The stakes for the rail system, meanwhile, are highly, econ uh, are highly uh, economical, while another blow to the already backed up ports is spelling trouble for the country's supply chain, which has yet to recover from backlogs sustained during the pandemic. The widespread chaos could spark more food shortages, cause a spike in gas prices as supply dwindles, and potentially ignite further inflation. My friends, I did see a story uh, three days ago. They're talking. Now, I don't know where they got the information. All I will tell you is what I read. They are talking $50 a pound for ground beef. $50 a pound. Stock up now while you can. You don't have to get fresh beef. Go get frozen. It will thaw out and taste just as good. Now, Amtrak Monday announced it would be canceling trips on several of its routes in preparation for the unprecedented strike by 60,000 railroad workers. A dispute that could lead to the first railroad strike in decades and likely hamper the country's already entangled supply chain. Uh, now, starting Tuesday, the passenger rail agency is suspending service on three cross-country routes out of Chicago, going to San Francisco, the Pacific Northwest, and Los Angeles, respectively, 
Amtrak said in a statement Monday evening. Service will also be disrupted for a, a route along a portion of one of those routes, the company said, between Los Angeles and San Antonio. Calling the changes initial adjustments made in, prop, in preparation for a possible freight rail service interruption later in the week, the move from the passenger rail comes as many of America's railroads have already stopped accepting shipments of hazardous and other security-sensitive materials due to the looming threat of a strike Friday. Now, these cancellations are intended to avoid potential disruptions should tens of thousands of freight railroad workers walk out while the lengthy trips are underway. The two railroad unions involved in the prospective strike currently in talks with railroad carriers are demanding more quality-of-life provisions be put into the contract for the coming year, covering attendance policies, vacation, and sick days. A deadline by the unions has been set for Friday for the carriers to meet their demand or they will strike. Amtrak workers are not among those in contract negotiations. However, nearly all the passenger services routes outside the Northeast run on tracks owned by the freight railroads, meaning that a walkout could disrupt passenger service. Out of here. Yeah. Okay. Now, compounding the crisis are burgeoning protests from tens of thousands of workers at America's ports and hospitals as they strike over low pay and staffing shortages. You are so wrong. Get out of here. Uh, These adjustments are necessary to ensure trains can reach their terminals prior to freight railroad service interruptions if a resolution in negotiations is not reached. Now, the passenger railroad uh, said that it is pulling trains on three long-distance routes, which we told you about. Uh, however, uh, they expect it's uh, more likely to be more minimal in the Northeast. The company says it's a small number of its North East regional departures would see service interruptions if a strike were to transpire. Now, Amtrak goes and maintains about 700 miles of track, chiefly in the Northeast, with the lion's share of the rest of its nearly 22,000 mile system being operated on tracks owned and maintained by freight railroads manned by many of the striking workers. So, uh, what else do I want to talk about? Okay, now, a statement from the railroad's trade group said they were taking the unprecedented to ensure that no such cargoes left on an unattended or unsecured train during the potential unrest in accordance with federal guidelines. However, the unions representing the members of the train crews set to strike have argued that the railroad's new freight restrictions are designed to put pressure on Congress to intervene in the crisis and forcibly stop the unions from walking out, which will happen. They slam the move as completely unnecessary and no more than corporate extortion. Well, now the railroads are using shippers, consumers, and supply chain of our nation as pawns in an effort to get our unions to cave into their contract demands, said the union's statement. Our unions will not cave into these scare tactics, and Congress must not cave into what can only be described as corporate terrorism. Next, we're going to have doubling down. Just telling you, that's the way it works these days. Now, top White House officials, we don't know who they are, have been closely watching the freight rail labor negotiations due to the face 
that a strike of such magnitude would create significant economic and political risk for the already embattled Biden administration. Officials, however, have so far failed to quell the emerging crisis despite efforts that has grown increasingly frantic as the Friday deadline looms. So far, 10 of the 12 nations railroad unions representing some 115,000 workers, they have reached tentative deals with the railroads that will see them earn 24% raises over five years. $5,000 in bonuses and one extra vacation day a year. That deal, though, did not satisfy the two holdouts, which are the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen and the Smart Division, the Smart Transportation Division. The two groups, the largest of the 12, represent more than half of all the railroad union workers. They are demanding the railroads go beyond these aforementioned recommendations and soften strict attendance policies that they say make it difficult to take any time off and address increasing workloads after the railroads cut nearly a third of their workforces over the past two and a half years. So, the Biden administration, meanwhile, is scrambling to head off the freight rail line strikes, which would further choke supply chains and trigger what the U.S. Chamber of Commerce warned would be an economic disaster. Now, the Sec Labor Secretary Marty Walsh has nixed all travel plans to address the brewing crisis, with the White House holding a steady stream of crisis meetings. Now, unions and railroads have until this Friday, stock up now, to agree contracts for the tens of thousands of workers or risk triggering the widespread strikes and employer lockouts. Now, people familiar with the matter told the Washington Post that Biden administration officials have already begun preparations for a potential shutdown and are warning of damage to the economy just before the crucial midterm elections. Meanwhile, the jackass himself is keeping a keen eye on the progress. Yeah, he's probably watching, has no idea what's going on. Which recently hit a standstill with the two union groups despite several meetings led by the White House National Economic Council. Yeah, I can imagine how that went. Uh, now, Walsh, the Secretary of Labor, has postponed travel to Ireland so he can remain involved in talks. Yeah, golf clap. The parties continue to negotiate and last night, Secretary Walsh again engaged to push the parties to reach a resolution that averts any shutdown of our rail system. All parties need to stay at the table, bargain in good faith to resolve outstanding issues and come to an agreement. The scramble demonstrated the stakes involved as the country continues to build back from the coronavirus pandemic and supply chain shocks. And of course, Biden has already set up emergency mediation board to head off any crisis that critics say has been years in the making. Meanwhile, uh, Minnesota nurses began a three-day strike on Monday to protest pay and staffing shortages in the largest private sector nurses strike in U.S. history. And of course, they're supported by squad member Elhan Omar and the Democrat governor of Minnesota, Tim Waltz. And 15,000 nurses are injured by conditions and pay went on strike. 
overwhelmed by the passion and commitment of these nurses, tweeted Omar. I'll stand with you, Minnesota nurses, as long as it takes to get you the treatment you deserve. Waltz added, Nurses have put their lives on line to care for Minnesotans throughout this pandemic. They deserve to be safe on the job and get paid fairly. Well, I agree with that. If you do the job, you should be paid fairly. Well, what else we got here? Is that all they're saying? Yeah. Now, uh, Minnesota's problem is particularly acute, the Washington Post reported, because of its aging population. Placing additional stress on the wards, coupled with low unemployment rate, and with less incentive for people to join the demanding and underpaid profession. Now, the average registered nurse in Minnesota earns $84,030 a year, or an hourly salary of $40.40, making the state the 13th ranked in the nation, according to Nurse Journal. In California, registered nurses earn $124,000. Southern and Midwestern states pay the least, with Alabama nurses uh, making $61,000. So what's the lesson? The lesson is simple. Stock up now. Failure to do so will mean you will pay more later. Do it now. Do it tonight. I know you're tired when you get home. You don't want to do anything. You just want to go home and veg out. I get that. But this is really important. You're going to have to suck it up for just a couple more hours. There's nothing more to be said. Stock up now. <sighs> All right. Now, for you preppers out there, if you're a serious prepper, you know, Food Storage Moms has a list of 10, 10 tips serious preppers should know. Number one, you got to invest in a water filter system. Number two, you got to learn how to garden. You can't do it now. The growing season's over. You got to plan for it next season. But you can learn to garden. It's really not that hard. Number three, and I'm not sure you want to do this, but get involved in your community. You know, knowing your neighbors and having their support could make all the difference during an emergency situation. Maybe. Number four, a great prepper tip coming up. Ready? Store food and water. Who would have guessed, right? Number five, you got to have a plan. There's an old saying that goes, if you fail to plan, you're really planning to fail. So knowing what you need to do in an emergency, emergency situation will help you stay calm and focused. Make sure you have an evacuation route planned out and that everyone in your family knows where to go and what to do. And lastly, you should always have a backup plan and escape route in, my, in mind in case plan A falls apart. Which goes back to the old saying, two is one. One is none. Got it? Number six. Don't put all your emergency supplies in one place. As our good friend Terry Kaz down in uh, Missouri found out a few years ago when his house got burglarized, they took all his emergency supplies. 
number seven. And this is kind of important. You need to try it out first. Many preppers make the mistake of having the right supplies when they need them, but have absolutely no idea how to use them during or following an emergency situation. So a good rule of thumb is to always try out your emergency supplies before you actually need them. That way you'll know how to use them and you'll have the confidence that they'll work when you need them most. Number eight, and this is the tough one, I think. you got to teach your family. Yes, you can talk to them about it, but remember, for those that don't buy in to the prepper thing, you have no credibility. You have more credibility as a prepper with somebody you don't even know than you do with your own family members. That's just the truth of the matter. And number nine, this is kind of important too. You don't want to skip out on entertainment. Let's face it. You know, emergency supplies are not the only thing your family will need to survive mentally and emotionally. So, especially for children. So make sure you have a few books, games, music, and other forms of entertainment stored away in your emergency supplies. Okay? Number 10, and this is important. you got to try to be as physically fit as you can. You have to be. And there's a difference between a difference between being gym fit and prepper fit. There is a difference. I think that perhaps some of the best things you could do would be a, a strength training and cardiovascular cardiovascular exercises would be very beneficial because it'll give you the strength and endurance that you're going to need to survive. But it will also improve your mental state and give you confidence to get through tough situations. And this, this isn't a prepper tip that everyone wants to focus on, but it's true. To prepare and to be able to help our families, we must first take care of ourselves. You know, it's like the old saying, you cannot love others unless you love yourself. You cannot like others until you can like yourself. Same thing. And maybe uh, one more thing is you need a way to communicate. Because you may not be able to rely on your cell phone or landline to communicate. So, I would suggest to communicate with your family and loved ones and perhaps other group members two-way radios, satellite phones, or even a CB and ham radios are great options to consider. So, preparing for an emergency situation is not something that, that we should be taking lightly. It takes time, effort, planning, but it is worth it if it means you and your loved ones have a fighting chance of surviving now, these are what I would consider proper tips, are without a doubt something everyone should know about. Whether you do it, it's a different story. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to prepping. There just isn't. Everybody's needs, wants, and whatnot are all different from everybody else. So what works for one person, it may not work for another. Where you live, what emergencies are more common in that area should also be considered. For example, 
I don't, we don't prepare for hurricanes here in the northern uh, tyranny state of Illinois. If I lived in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, yeah, or Florida, yeah, I'd be, hurricane prep would be on my list. Just is. So there you go. So the makeup of your family also comes into play. Are you dealing with children? Are you dealing with elderly? What about somebody who's physically challenged? What if you deal with a mentally handicapped? Things you need to take into account. So take some time, educate yourself on things of preparedness and find out what works best for you and your family. It's not always the best, but it is what happens. And the thing of it, you know, I, we did talk about, you know, be a part of the community. You know, I'm really torn if that's a good idea or not. And the reason is this. There's lots of fucked up people out there. There they, just are. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Now, before I came to do the show today, uh, this was flashing around. And it turns out that, uh, let's, we're flashing to Ukraine, that Russian troops are surrendering in mass. This lightning counteroffensive that uh, Kiev put together will probably be studied for years to come. But it's not so much the fact that Russian troops are starting to surrender in mass. They've been trapped. They're out of ammunition, out of food. They have no. They have no way to go. Let's face it. You don't have any ammunition, or you're running out of it. You have no leadership. From what I understand. Uh, they're starting to, the Russians are starting to evacuate Crimea, the Crimean Peninsula. My, this is where, okay, this is, this is where I'm thinking here. This is where it gets dangerous with the nuclear button. I am not a Putin apologist. I think they were wrong to do this. But, be that as may, no one asked me. I'm not in the loop. So, I'm wondering at what point, and this is where it's just going to get touchy. You preppers out there, you're going to have to pay real serious attention to what's happening. If, and I don't, I would, and I don't know, but I would assume that the Russians have the same fail-safe uh, launch procedures that the Americans do. But let's assume the worst. Let's assume that Putin is, he's not the best of health. And I'm sure he, he doesn't want to take a nasty fall down some stairs or have a, an accident in his car, a fatal car accident. But, in the back of my warped mind, I am thinking to myself, if you can't pull your troops out, and they're surrendering, and you decide you're going to pull your troops out of the Crimean Peninsula, could you reposition them on your side of the border and then do a tactical nuclear strike? 
if if it goes that far now who knows maybe the russian command structure will will not forward the launch command i don't know i don't know anything about that i'm just thinking it back in my mind as a prepper here in the midwest in the united states thinking if they do a tactical nuclear launch and they and they ha and they strike they let the genie out of the bottle once again what happens if anything i don't know i don't know but as a prepper it would behoove us to think along these lines we got to look down the road a bit Well, some preppers will look two or three steps down the road. Others look half a mile to a mile down the road. What could possibly happen? What could the outcome be? What would it mean? I don't know. I have no idea. But I am smart enough to know what I don't know. And I don't know how that ends. I don't know if it will ever. I don't know if the even start. I don't know. But as preppers, it behooves us to think these things in our nightmare world. Because as preppers, we live in this nightmare world. And every day, the nightmare seems to be getting closer and closer and closer. Whether it's going to be $50 a pound for ground beef here in the United States, or tactical nuclear weapons being deployed in Ukraine. Because I don't think it will stop there. I don't. I don't think it can. And do we trust Biden to? Do we trust Biden to have a, a a real good handle of what's going on in reality? No. He's an angry, bitter old man. Guys, this is really perilous. Time to think things over. Think it through. What would I do if? What do I do if they decide to launch? If there's a nuclear strike? What if I what if, what if they cannot? What if they cannot resolve this coming national rail strike? How will I feed my family? Stock up now. Three words for this week's episode. My friends, I'm John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief. I wanted to get this out to you because I know it's important to you. Thank you again for listening, and please tell your friends. And if you enjoy, if you enjoy the, the programming here on Contra Radio Network, please feel free to donate a few bucks to your favorite host or show. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Let them know you listen to us on you listen to them on Contra Radio Network. So, with that said, thanks for listening. Stock up now, please. It will only, you can't go wrong with stocking up now. You could do wrong by stocking up Friday and there's a national rail strike because prices are going to blow up like you ain't never seen. I would also suggest you gas up Thursday at the latest. Tomorrow will be better, but you got to gas up because fuel is transported by rail. Yes. All right. Okay, my friends. Take care of yourself. I will see you next week. Until then, prep today, live tomorrow, have an American day. 
we'll see you next week.